This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm here with Trav today. I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. And this is your Overdue Homework Podcast. Um, Today we're talking about Batman Forever, 1995's Batman Forever, and I want to know, Trav, your overall impressions of this movie. You know, I was pleasantly surprised with how much I liked this movie. Um, Definitely more Hollywood than the past couple have been. The action is cranked up a notch, and... Yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. What do you think? I completely agree. It's a completely different beast. The only thing that makes it even in the same uh, canon as the first two Batman movies is they reference them throughout the movie. That's literally Um, it. It's way more Hollywood, like you said. Um, Thanks, Joel Schumacher. Yep. Um, But I liked it, and I can see why it was a popular movie. Definitely. No trace of Tim Burton. Like, no, Honestly, just, just no his, Tim Burton at all, it seems like. Just his name as a producer in the beginning of the right, film, that's about right. it. <clears throat> Maybe you could say some of the set design is Burton-esque, Esque. but you're right, but, his yeah. fingerprints are not on it. Yep. Um, so since I'm really bad at transitions, I'm going to steal from Monty Python and go, and now for something completely different. <laughs> um, so our homework review, like I said, uh, Batman Forever, June 16th, 1995. In case you were wondering uh, why Keaton decided not to become Batman for this movie, it came down to tone, and it wasn't a Burton film. Uh, Joel Schumacher is quoted as saying, I don't understand why everything has to be so dark and everything has to be so sad. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's just completely different. It was just Keaton was not interested in doing it. Uh, Before we really get into the scene, the scene, though, uh, we do have to talk about the Batsuits. Yes. Uh, so this bat suit has nipples. Like I promised on Instagram, we're going to talk about nipples. It has nipples. Um, so Den of, Den of Geek, uh, uh, denofgeek.com, Simon Brew in 2017. Why does the bat suit have nipples? Um, so this is an article about an article that this guy found from 1995 in a defunct magazine called Premier Magazine. Um, so in 1995, a magazine from 1995 the nipples on the bat suit were already a problem. You know what I mean? Like it's not yeah. post internet culture saying, why is there nipple? It was already an issue. <laughs> so the late Bob Kane, the co-creator of Batman is quoted in this article in premier magazine is saying, I never put nipples on a bat suit. Whoever heard of nipples on a bat suit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was Schumacher who was responsible for it. And when he was uh, questioned by Bob Kane, by Bob Kane, Schumacher said, it's the nineties. How does that make any sense? I don't know. It's about the most 90s thing you could say, though. Like, hey, it's the 90s. It's the 90s, dude. (laughs) Nipples out. So Schumacher, he wanted a sexy and body-hugging suit. And so it was all his decision. And in 2014, um, he was surprised. He he did an interview, and he was surprised that the nipples were still so controversial. He even joked that the fact that there was nipples on the bat suit and it was his responsibility was going to end up on his gravestone. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the fact because RIP, he's dead. So yep. I, I don't yep. know if that's the fact. But I mean, even he thought it was just ridiculous and he couldn't believe that it was still even a thing. Honestly, it didn't bother me at all watching the movie. Like, mm, no. I looked out for it just because I knew it was coming. But I mean, there's only one scene where 
it's actually like really lit up on the suit and you see the nipples very <laughs> apparently but the suit is so much of an upgrade over Keaton's suit that I thought it was still awesome. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a way better suit cuz I mean that Keaton suit that thing sucked. Brutal. <laughs> Um, and then one last thing before we get into the scene by scene, because we didn't talk about it when we assigned the homework. I want to talk about the, the soundtrack. So only five songs in the soundtrack. So the soundtrack is called Batman Forever, music from the motion picture. So original. It, it's a soundtrack, <laughs> which I guess, hey, kids out there, movie soundtracks used to be a really big thing that people would go to. Uh, record stores and buy and listen to and not just watch the movie. So that's not really that's a true. thing anymore. But um, So only five songs are featured in the film, and there's really only two that matter. And it's Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me by U2. Have you ever seen the music video for it? I don't think so. Well, I recommend it. It's a cool music video. It's completely animated in a comic book style. It's from uh, U2's uh, Zoo TV tour, which I just vividly remember being all over MTV and Bono with those the 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 fly eye sunglasses, you know? Yeah. Those, yeah, yeah. That's where that originated. That was that whole thing. Um, it was nominated for MTV movie awards for best song. And then obviously kiss from a rose by seal. Obviously, obviously, which, you know, that was nominated for, uh, the same award. It was directed by Joel Schumacher. The music video was, and that song, it won three Grammys. So this song was like the song of 1995. Kiss by a Rose. That's pretty Kiss cool. from a Rose. I always want to say Kiss by a Rose, but it's Kiss from a Rose. Kiss from a Rose. Yeah, he won uh, Best Male Pop perfor- Vocal Performance, Record of the Year, and Song of the Year at the Grammys for that song. Damn. Yeah, that, that was Seal's year. And one other person that had, uh, in case you were wondering who actually won the uh, best song in a movie with MTV's Movie Awards, it was Brandy uh, for Sitting Up in My Room uh, from the seminal movie uh, Waiting to Exhale. I've never seen never that. Seen never seen that. I don't think that will be homework ever. That will not be homework. Um, so yeah, it was a big year for Brandy. Um, there is one other song that will come up a little bit later when we're going scene by scene, and I have a little story about it too. It's a Flaming Lips song. Are you familiar with the Flaming Lips? Nope. Uh, well, they're a good band. I enjoy them quite a bit. Uh, so, uh, you know what? I'm going to say this right now so that we get to it um, really quickly. There is a 170-minute cut of this movie, apparently, that's much darker and involves uh, Val Kilmer as Batman confronting and fighting a life a human-sized bat. Um, it's worth a YouTube. It's <laughs> it's worth a YouTube. So, but it's I mean it's nowhere to be released. You can't find it anywhere. But apparently, uh, that exists. 170 minute cut. Which there's an article on Variety.com which you can you can find if you are so inclined. All right, are you ready for the scene by scene? Yeah, let's do it. Oh man. So in the opening credits, I automatically feel that it's a it's a Batman movie, right? Yeah, you feel definitely. it. The musical tone is really similar to what we're already used to. Yep. And then I really enjoyed the names flying at our faces. Yeah. And it's a very '90s action yeah, film thing definitely. to do. Like that's just it makes me think of the Terminator. I don't think T two. I think that happened in T two also. Yeah, and like the first or second Spider Man, where the names are coming at you with yeah. the webs as you're going through. Yeah. So very superhero. Very superhero, like the modern sense of superhero. Yeah, it actually m- more what I would picture the first Batman to be when I was a kid, having not seen any of them. Yeah, I yeah I like that. Um. We immediately get to see the new Batmobile. Your thoughts? It was not good. I I really didn't like it. At first, I was like, okay, it's a little upgraded. We got some lights. What's going on here? And then, yeah, when you see it in action, it just looks 
janky and then yeah. that wing in the back flopping around <laughs> no i i can't do it um do you know what uh plymouth prowler that's a was a car in the 90s kind of had like a similar look to this batmobile and was like one of those weird like really pop culture kind of cars like before like the pt cruiser kind of oh, okay, so sure. kind of same thing kind of was made to look like an uh hot rod with open wheels so kind of looked like the batmobile and i'm wondering if the pt not the pt cruiser the plymouth prowler came out about the same time it could be yeah i don't know i meant to look that up but i never did so i don't know why i brought it up it is a mystery it is a mystery um the batmobile could definitely be better and we get our first real joke of the movie uh coming from bruce wayne to tell you that this is going to be a much different movie than the tim burton ones that you're used to yeah um alfred asks him if he wants a sandwich and batman says i'll get drive through <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that that was used in a fast food campaign. I yeah. can't imagine it wasn't. Yeah, I, I would have liked to see him swing through BK or McDonald's or something. That would have been pretty funny. So we get to see the Batmobile then uh, tootling through the city, and it looks it looks like a comic book. Yeah. Right? It's very evident that it's supposed to be a comic book. Mm -hmm. Lots of yellows, lots of blues, lots of reds, lots of black. Just that comic book feel, that comic book look. Um, and... Schumacher, he gets right into business here. Immediately, Two-Face is stealing a whole vault from a bank. Yeah. You know, and that's the reason why Batman is out there anyways. Um, in this scene, uh, Two-Face demonstrates that he's completely ruthless. He bows to the complete will of the coin, um, ends up flipping a coin to determine the life of the guard, and the guard ends up living because it flips up heads, right? And yeah. I'm assuming the scratched outside is considered tails. Yeah. That's what I went with, so that's what I'm going to be saying the whole time. Yeah. Um, but he gets used as bait anyways. Yes. Um, Batman then enters the scene, and we get our first example of bad CG animation in this movie. It may have been cutting edge then, but it does not hold <laughs> up now. It does not hold up. CG Batman comes jumping in you know what i mean like he just here i am cj batman cg batman i'm here and um, i have to say did you mention in the last one that dutch angles were yes gonna be, oh there was so many dutch angles right. in the first 10 minutes i was ready to barf i, I don't I don't know if I would have noticed it, but since you had said it, I could not not notice it. I don't think I was. I don't think I used this movie uh, specifically as an example. Like I don't think I pointed out that they were going to be in this movie because I didn't remember them. But, but now you that, brought up Thor. Yes. But yeah. Now I was like, did he say I was going to be in this movie? Because it is very evident. Yes. There's so many Dutch angles. And yeah, directors use the excuse that it makes it look more like a comic book, which it the, does. It but does. it's distracting when you're thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we get quickly introduced to Chase Meridian, Dr. Chase Meridian. Um, Batman knows who she is. She's very educated on who Batman is. Yep. And there's immediate sexual tension between the two Immediately. of them. Immediately. He's and like, blonde? Yep, check. <laughs> three for three on the blondes for Batman. She, she is obviously into the bat. Yes. Um, we get our first, uh, our first fight scene of the movie then, soon after that. Batman heads up in the uh, elevator. Um, two faces goons. They shoot up the elevator. Um, I like two faces goons. I think they're cool looking. Yeah, definitely a little better than the mimes or clowns <laughs> we've been seeing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, they shoot up the elevator, um, but obviously they don't get a single bullet at Batman because he's probably on top of the elevator, holding onto the roof. Whatever, he's Something. not getting shot up. Yep. Um. He shoots one of the, so I need you to help me understand the electro 
Batarang electro gun that he uses. Because that dude is getting electrocuted from that thing for like three minutes. For three minutes. So <laughs> long that he gets to later grab another goon and whip him onto him. And then it continues to electrocute Both of them. Uh, what? <laughs> so, can I help you understand? No. No. <laughs> but yes, I noticed how crazy that, that was. was very crazy. It must have been some sort of special electricity that Batman only has or... Th- who knows? We could... And he only had one of them. He used it in the beginning, and that was it. Yeah. So. Did he chuck the gun after he shot it? I feel like he did. He must have. I feel like he did. It might not even be One-time a... use. Yeah, one-time use type But of you thing. can throw as many people on the current as you need to. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so then Batman heads over to the safe, and we find out quickly, and obviously, it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> now, uh, just a quick uh, little diversion here. Uh, my brand new Blu-ray decided to skip during this section, so I missed 30 seconds of it. So I don't know what that 30-second span after that exactly happens. And next thing that happens in my movie is the uh, the safe is filling up with acid, the same acid that scarred uh, Two-Face. Yep. It, oh, no, it's boiling acid. The guy says, oh, that was just such a brutal line. Um, we do see later. It's not implicitly implied in this uh, section of the movie, unless you're pretty familiar with the comics, that Two-Face is using that same acid in a trap for Batman because Two-Face blames Batman for getting burned with acid. Yes. That, they'd explain that later in the movie, but you don't know why it's acid in the beginning of the movie. True. Um, so it's not that point when he references, this is the same acid that we use, or that was used on us. You know, that might have been uh, the point. I might have missed that the, in the maybe, 30 seconds. Because uh, I, I remember later on when later on when you are conveniently watching Two-Face's uh, background story oh, on television, yeah. then they explain, it gets explained there. Yeah. Uh, Batman, of course, uses the guard's hearing aid to escape the safe, which... Would a safe have a spinny dial like that on the inside? No. And did you like how they foreshadowed the dude's uh, hearing aid? His obviously gigantic hearing aid when Two-Face is all in his face at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, like, he's incredibly sweaty. And, yeah, you, yeah, you can't not notice the gigantic golden hearing aid in yep. his ear. Um, so he uses it, and then he single-handedly opens the safe, yep. climbs out, and hauls the guy out yep. all at the same time. <laughs> Not a problem Man, for he Batman. Is a strong dude, right? He is really strong. Um, and then he gets out his go go Batman uh, uh, laser torch, starts torching that chain, tells this dude, you better hang on. Yeah. <laughs> After, no, he launches that ridiculous oh, looking grappling yes hook yes bust through the wall yes and then after he torches this chain they swing and this grappling hook somehow holds the weight of this safe and whips this guy back inside I, I, and he manages he manages to hold on beyond uh uh defying all laws of physics all laws of <laughs> physics he was on the top of the safe right. and then when it flips in from the grappling hook it's sideways again like it was in the building yep and and he's on top. Good old uh, just reversing the shot. Schumacher's like, I know how to get it back in there. Just reverse it. We're <laughs> yep. done. Lunch. Reverse it. Lunch. Oh, that's hilarious. So, yeah, that dude miraculously hung on. Uh, we see two faces escape next. Okay. Uh, so, this scene was exciting. Batman's holding onto this chain. Two face and his. Uh, top ace helicopter pilot, the best helicopter pilot in Gotham. Uh, are flying around, and they make a beeline for that gigantic sign. Uh, I can't get over the fact that they flew through that sign 
and they were just fine. I don't care. Yeah. I just can't get over that. No problem. <laughs> but they think that Batman's dead, but he ends up on top of the helicopter. So what does Two-Face do? Tries to shoot him, but shoots his henchman instead. Shoots his henchman like 10 times. Doesn't hit Batman once. No remorse. Uh so Two-Face pushes the goon out of the way and grabs the helicopter steering wheel. I don't think helicopters have steering wheels. I don't think so either, <laughs> but we're going to assume this one does. Gotham's do. Yep. Okay. Batman does his best peekaboo and gets a wicked kick right in the face. Um, right in the face. <laughs> just right in the face. He's holding on to the outside of the helicopter. This time, Two-Face puts the club on the helicopter, which I think is supposed to be like a joke, right? It's got to be. Because that's a ridiculous piece of, like, 90s cheese that was on 2 a.m. Uh, infomercials, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, the club, look it up. You'll find out what it is for sure. Uh, we'll make it so you can no longer fly a helicopter. Yep. And so, uh, Two-Face parachutes out the back, and then Batman faced with the fact that he's going to run into the Gotham Statue of Liberty. I think it's still called the Statue of Liberty. I think so. Um, decides he's got a ditch, too, and uh, he flies that, well, that helicopter just flies right into that statue. Yep, he makes it out in the nick of time. He does, and he I don't know why he didn't just jump out to begin with, if he's still going to jump out anyways. Yep. Um, so right after that scene, we directly cut to more terrible CG. And if you look in the background, you can see the Gotham Statue of Liberty all wrapped up. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I kind of yeah. put a little nod at that. And then we're immediately put into uh, Wayne Ent Enterprises. Uh, and I thought it was cool to see Bruce Wayne like actually doing business, to see like what yeah. what uh, Wayne Enterprises actually does. Right, actually involved in mm -hmm. the behind-the-scenes stuff. And then Ed enter Edward Nigma. Uh, he seems obsessed. Obsessed. He seems unstable. Uh and ultimately, after pitching his plan to Bruce, he gets denied because he couldn't wait for a meeting where he probably was going to get denied anyways. Yeah, but yeah, he, he has no patience. <laughs> this is where we first see the box, right? And yeah. uh, the whole idea of the 3D TV box, which, you know, they describe it as projecting images directly into the brain. But then when they represent it on film, it looks just like a 3D television um, yeah, I would assume the way he first describes it, you go into said TV, so he's watching fish, you'd think he'd be in the water, but then they just portray it as the fisher coming at his face. Right. Like, okay. Um, Bruce does not like the idea of using this device to manipulate brainwaves. That's what he tells Enigma uh, immediately. And Enigma does not handle rejection well, like most other uh, villains in this Batman universe. <laughs> yeah. Add him to the list. Um, Bruce Wayne then happens to see the uh, uh, bat signal, which nobody else sees. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nobody else sees and says, whoa, the bat signal? So it must be super commonplace. They're up like 24 hours a day or something like that. Yeah. Um, he ditches. He goes to his office, and he gets into that Hyperloop bat drop tube thing. Yeah. Lock. <laughs> Chair. Boom, he's in some crazy turbo tube. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. And the CG, uh, it holds up in this scene because it's super basic. There's a yeah. couple other scenes where I'm like, oh, that still holds up. That's no big deal. Um, Alfred has everything ready to go. I still don't like that Batmobile. Nope. Um, we find out soon after that that the Dr. Dr. Chase Meridian uh, gave him a f fake out bat signal. 
fake out. No Commissioner Gordon here. Nope, not yet at least. Um, we get greeted by a scantily clad chase. Um, the bat says to her, uh, the bat signal is not a beeper. She keeps on coming on to him. Are you trying to get under my cape, doctor? She keeps on coming on to him. <laughs> Must be the car. Chicks love the car. It's not just the car. <laughs> <laughs> and then we find, then we see her awkwardly, awkwardly grope his chest and say that she's into black rubber. She's into black rubber. <laughs> yep, that is what she's moved on to with her adult life. Yeah, she does say that first it was boys with earrings, and then it was leather jackets and motorcycles, and yep. now it's black rubber. Now it's black rubber. <laughs> Go find a firefighter. <laughs> They're easier to undress. Yep. <laughs> she even uh, references Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman in yes. this, and this is besides the continuity with Alfred and uh, and uh, Commissioner Gordon. Uh, that's the only thing that really ties this together with the other movies. Yeah, she says, you like strong women. I've done my research. And then she says, or do I need skin-tight vinyl and a whip? Seriously, though, give me Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie any day. Yes, please. Um, more, 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 more Catwoman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Commissioner Gordon shows up. Like He, he looks like an Alzheimer's patient, almost. Like He looks so confused. <laughs> yeah. Huh? What's happening? <laughs> Like, go home, commissioner. It's just a false alarm. Yep. Uh, so he totally ruins the mood completely. Uh, Batman out, jumps over the side of the building, straight into the Batmobile. We even get a pretty cool uh, POV shot of him li- landing in the driver's seat. Uh, stuff that you wouldn't have seen in a Tim Burton Batman movie. Just a, a lot of different, uh, I don't know if smash cuts is the right <laughs> yeah. term, but there's a lot of editing in this movie. Um. Oh, and then he ends the scene. Batman ends the scene simply by saying, women, which is a, <laughs> another terrible way to end a scene yep. um, after burners are on and he's off. Um, we then get to see Enigma uh, at uh, Wayne Enterprises working on his uh, canned project. Uh, he's obviously gone off the deep end. Uh, quickly after the scene starts, we see him get uh, um, confronted by his boss, Stickley. Uh, Enigma knocks him out with a coffee pot. Caffeine can kill you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Stickley then wakes up to see uh, that he's going to become Nigma's test subject. Enigma uh, flips the switch, and we already talked about it. We get an idea for what his invention is actually supposed to do. Um, and then the what is it? The the levels go down, so he's got to bring up the power. And then we get some really classic Jim Carrey comedy. Oh, oh right? yeah, yeah, it's definitely. like. All the bits that you've seen Jim Carrey do a million times in every movie that he's ever been in, any of his stage stuff. Yep. Uh, so I mean, I get I get a kick out of it every time. But the uh, classic Jim Carrey. Yeah, that's. I thought before that he was very different acting in the movie, and then as soon as that happened, yep, there's the Jim Carrey. Movie. Oh, I'm sure he was told that that's the Jim Carrey we want in this movie. Right. 1995. Then the uh, when nature's call when nature calls come out in '94. Right around there. Same year, maybe, his, even yeah, 95? The Mask was 94, and Dumb right. and Dumber was 94. Yeah, I'm sure. Also, I mean, all that. I'm sure they're like, we want you to be the Riddler, but we also want you to be mostly just Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, no problem. So, after he finally cuts the power, Stickley fires Nigma and tells him that he's going to turn him into the authorities 
and Nigma. I don't know if at this point he decided to kill him, kill Stickley, or if his plan all along was to kill Stickley. Yeah, I um, think he was probably going to all along. Yeah, and so he kills Stickley by pushing him over the edge of the uh, out out the window into what looks like a, a river of some sort, a dam, some something like yep. that. Um, the next day we get that accident at uh, Wayne em- Enterprises. And Bruce Wayne is conveniently watching as Two-Face's origin story uh, unfolds on TV. I don't know why he'd be watching a news story about something that he was present for, yeah. but uh, that's what he was doing. It's just a good way to tell the audience exactly what happened. Yep. Um, Alfred gets a phone call and informs, him that, informs Bruce that there was a uh, accident at Wayne Enterprises, and then Bruce heads right on back to the office. Um, I was immediately struck by the fact that Nigma probably should have been number one suspect from the get go. Yeah. Right. He conveniently has, I mean, it's probably supposed to be presented in a comical way that he has all this, uh, information and evidence to make it look like a suicide. Right. Right. I mean, that's what they were, uh, probably going for. It was, it seemed kind of odd, but, uh. Uh, Commissioner Gordon and Bruce Wayne end up watching the video of the parent suicide. Um, the suicide note I got a kick out of when they finally showed it on screen. Uh, it said, to whom it may concern, from Fred Stickley. Reason, my suicide. <laughs> <laughs> then it says, goodbye, crew world. And then I couldn't see what it was signed. Uh, but uh, then Gordon goes, uh, yep. Definitely suicide. Definitely suicide. <laughs> uh, Bruce, being the good guy that he is, makes sure Stickley's family gets uh, all full benefits. Um, and then we get to see the first riddle of the movie. Um, and I'll just read the riddle now, I've, even though it's a really easy riddle and everybody should know it. If you look at the numbers on my face, you fo- won't find 13 any place. It's a clock. A clock. <laughs> After we, as the audience, solve the riddle right along with Bruce, um, we get to see Nigma's apartment for the first time, and this is where the Flaming Lips song uh, is playing during it. It's a very different song and tone and everything completely to mm-hmm. the rest of the movie. Um, I saw the Flaming Lips at our state fair in probably 2008. It was a really cool show. Um, they're just like a crazy band, and uh, Wayne Wayne Cohen. I think that's his last name, Wayne Cohen. Yeah, he's the. I'm sure you've seen it. The dude that goes out in the audience, one of those giant inflatable balls that you can fit a whole human in, and people like hold him up and stuff. I don't think I've uh, seen that. It's really cool. But there was the the craziest thing about this whole story was there was a tornado warning in the middle of the show. So I'm at a the state fair. Jeez. And they start jamming people into tents during a tornado. Tornado warning, and everybody's like, it's couple counties over it's just precautionary but i'm like i'm just in a tent Wait, what is the point of even hopping in this tent? yeah so we had to spend like an hour in this tent and then we went back to the grandstand and they continued the show so that was cool nice uh the the opening band all their equipment got wrecked though there was no place for them to put it in the, di- the oh. downpour of rain so i felt really bad for them yeah they're just an opening band doing a state fair circuit you know right, like right. Dang, that stinks um but yeah uh the flaming lip song makes that scene Stick out pretty big, um, for me at least. Uh, the apartment looks like a crazy man, probably lives there. There's yeah. tons of pictures of Bruce Wayne. Um, and then after we see Nigma crafting the second wi- uh, riddle, we get to see him drop it off at uh, Wayne Manor. Uh, after that, we see Bruce going to see Dr. Chase Meridian uh, at the police station. 
Um, Bruce thinks, after he gets upstairs, Bruce thinks that Dr. Chase Meridian is getting uh, assaulted in the middle of the police station. Yep. So he breaks down her door. Why not? Turns out she's just into cardio. Yeah, she's just <laughs> punching a good old punching bag. So he's there to see her, right? Because uh, he to see her basically. He wants to see her, but obviously under the guise of consulting her for the riddles. And yeah. Guess what? Her professional opinion: the dude's a wacko. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that is one we actually get to see uh, the second the second riddle: tear one off and scratch my head. What once was red is black instead. That's a match, right? A match. Total wacko. They agree on it. Uh, probably wants to kill Bruce, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> and then Chase wants to dive into Bruce's, uh, um, I don't know, he wants to, psyche, wants to get in there and start doing some work. But uh, he uh, changes the subject and ooh, decides to invite her to a circus. Yeah. <laughs> the charity circus. <laughs> yep. Which is just a goofy a, a charity circus. I mean, I guess, I guess that's what you got to go with in a Batman film. Yep. Like I said before, this is a Tim Burton esque scene. One of the very few in the whole movie. Yes, definitely. Uh, it's obviously a red carpet affair because it's a uh, charity circus. Charity She's in, circus. I don't get it, but uh, Nigma's watching it on TV, and we get introduced to the Flying Graysons. Graysons. Uh, they're doing their trapeze things. Their costumes are not very flattering. Nope. Um, what's the most nineties thing you could ask a woman out on a date to do in the nineties, mid nineties to go rock climbing, right? To go rock climbing. <laughs> That's yes. A very like 1995 Hollywood, California thing to do. Yep. Uh, so, but that's what we get to see is we get to see Bruce and chase. They're kind of just conversing and, uh, they talk about the fact that, uh, she is uh, into the bat. She, she's found another person, right? There's another man, I think. Is that what, that's what yeah, she says? Yeah, let's just say he dropped out of the sky. <laughs> yep, yep. Hint, it's the Batman. Yep. Um, He's like, score, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't have to really worry about this chick. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Got her. Uh, uh, then the dude at the, the, the ringleader at center ring introduces the death drop. So that means that they're going to do some cool stunts on the trapeze with no net. Yep. Um, soon. Two-Face is on the scene and his goons are and they're taking over the circus. Um, he and Two-Face ends up at uh, Center Ring and uh, he says that he's got a bomb with 200 sticks of dynamite in it. That's when the mayor stands up and asks, what the hell do you want, Harvey? Um, that's when we learn he wants Batman. And uh, being given a two-minute deadline, Bruce stands up and says, I'm Batman. But nobody hears but him. But nobody hears him, which... Uh, like how? Yeah, like not even <laughs> not even Chase right no, next to him. I Nobody. I understand yeah. people were screaming and stuff, but he's like screaming also. I'm Batman. It's yeah. me. I'm Batman. Yeah. Um. So then the Graysons decide that they can stop this bomb that's slowly ascending to the roof. Which, sure, it, sure. It, yeah. Okay. How and sure. <laughs> they uh they climb higher and higher. Um. Two-Face is still flipping his coin at center ring, deciding what he's going to do, presumably between shooting up the audience or shooting up the Graysons, whatever he's going to do. Um, he finally gets the result that he wants, and he shoots up the Graysons. They fall to the ground, which I think he 
they mu- it must have been an editing thing or like a rating thing that they had to have him shoot the scaffolding and not actually the people. Yeah. Because, I mean, it looked like he was shooting at the people. Yep. Um, but the scaffolding breaks. They all fall. They die. Uh, at this all, time. All but one. All but one. Yep. Uh, at this time, we see Richard Grayson. I haven't said it yet. Richard Grayson. He <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> he is... Uh, climbing higher and higher and higher, chasing after this bomb full of 200 sticks of dynamite. And he finally gets it to the roof. He lifts it with no problem no whatsoever, problem. hoists it out with four seconds left and gets it over the the side of the roof and into the river and it explodes and everybody's a-okay. Yep. Except for Richard. He looks down and sees his dead family. Pretty brutal. Yeah, that is pretty brutal. Um... So after, so it's kind of like a smash cut. I think I'm using that wrong, but I'm going to keep saying it. As soon as we see the fact that he saw that his family is dead, we see him at Bruce Manor, like yep. immediately getting yeah. dropped off. Um, Bruce is going to take him in. So I'm going to start saying it now, and I'm going to be saying it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so get used to it, all right? Uh, Dick wants to split. <laughs> Bruce and Alfred try desperately to convince him with cool stuff and food. I mean, what else would you get a 20 something? I'm assuming 20, maybe 19, 18, 19 year old yeah. to hang around. Um, I do really love that scene though. It's a pretty funny scene. It is. They do convince him to stay with cool stuff and food and I, yep. I can't blame him. He's got no place else to go. Yeah, right. That burger looks so good. And Oh, is, is the young master leaving? Yes. He, okay. I guess I'll just throw it in the garbage. Right. And maybe give it to the dog. that's <laughs> hungry. I couldn't tell what the second thing was on his plate. There was like the hamburger and like the stuff, and there was something off to the side. And then there was like a wine glass of milk. Yes, there was <laughs> wine glass of milk. I liked that a lot, the wine glass of milk. So Bruce and Alfred are kind of conversing about uh, how um, Bruce and Dick have a very similar um, similar happenstance. Uh, their parents died, you know, so yeah. he feels a definite link and responsibility, not only for Dick at this point, but uh, his family's death, you know. Um, we find out, uh, right after that from a short conversation while Alfred is getting, uh, helping get Dick settled in his new room, uh, where the Robin moniker comes from. Um, what did you think of this origin story? The fact that he flew in like a Robin to save his, save his brother. Uh, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, it's definitely all right. Um, let's see. I don't know if that's what the original thing was supposed to be. I don't don't know either. Um, so at one point before this, Batman did leave because he saw the bat signal and he heads out into the city and we see that he's being chased by two faces goons. Um, classic, uh, old lady, uh, villain dressed as an old lady gag, right? With a rocket launcher. Yep. Um, we see a couple of the uh, Batmobile's cool gadgets in this scene, sideways tires, right? That, that was, that was pretty cool. cool. That's kind of cool. Um, I don't know how that works mechanically, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the first thing you see in this Batmobile was earlier, I forgot to say, the first quote-unquote futuristic thing you see is his rear-view camera. Yeah. Or like, that's the coolest thing, and that's yeah. just normal with cars. I thought that was pretty funny. And it even had kind of that, like old-timey comic book look to it. Yeah. You know, it was circular and stuff like yeah. that. Um, yeah, those sideways tires, that was pretty nifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then get to see the Batman drive up a wall with a grappling hook, which 
that whole thing was kind of hokey, but it yeah. was still kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, that gets featured in the preview, and in the preview, the grappling hook line is uh, removed, and so it looks like it's just driving. It's just up driving there. up a wall. Yeah. Uh, some comedic uh, shots out the side, which something Tim. I don't know if Tim Burton would have done, but uh, you get to see the people their surprised looks on their faces as yeah. he's driving up the wall. Um, apparently, two faces uh, too cheap to pay for break work for his goons because they all crash into the wall and die. Except for Two-Face. <laughs> yep. um, we end up back at Enigma's apartment, um, and it's his uh, costume. Uh, he's deciding his costume and his name, basically, at this yeah. point. Like, the puzzler? The gamester? Cool. Question mark, man? <laughs> Question mark? Captain Kill? <laughs> uh, which kind of reminded me of his role in, uh, uh, what's that? Kick-Ass, right? He was in the second Kick-Ass movie. I haven't seen the second no, one. It's, he's in the second Kick-Ass movie. Nice. Um, um, finally, he ends up drawing inspiration from his fortune-telling te- fortune robot, um, and he gets to, in his mind, the Riddler. Um, one thing about Jim Carrey in this movie and the Riddler in general, does he have like seven or eight different costumes? And yeah, he's got seemingly. so many costume changes, which they're cool costumes and they're really like inventive and unique, but that's a lot of costume changes. Yeah. Where did he come up with all this material for right. all these costumes? <laughs> well, and uh, on a different watch through, I noticed that even Two-Face has a bunch of different costumes, but his are much more subtle and not quite as noticeable. Yeah. Um, we end up with... Uh, uh, we end up at Two Face's uh, hideout now, and they are really hammering down the whole duality thing that Two Face has going. Right, the, yeah. everything is uh, completely split down the middle. Different dinners, different cigarettes, different yep. alcohol, different everything. Yep. Um, gotta love Drew Barrymore in this scene. Uh, Definitely. I don't think she had done a whole lot coming up to 1995, but uh, gotta love Drew Barrymore. Yep. Um, enter the Riddler. Uh, Jim Carrey and that staff twirling that he does in this movie is pretty insane. It is. He must have trained. And in the back of my mind, I feel like that was a news story in 1995 that he took special training to be able to twirl this staff around and do all these cool tricks with it because he does a whole bunch of really cool yeah, stuff it, with it. It seems like he had to have. He, he had to have. Um, the Riddler is there for a classic villain team-up. Uh, Two-Face seems to take some convincing to not just kill the Riddler immediately because yeah. he feels infringed upon, obviously. Uh, the Riddler manages to convince Two-Face with a demonstration. So with Sugar and Spice hooked up to the, the box, uh, the Riddler shows Two-Face that you can steal people's thoughts and potentially find out who Batman is. I mean, that is yeah. that is the Riddler's angle right, right there. He wants to find out who Batman is. Yep. Um, so... He needs the he needs Two Face and his ability in crime to finance Nigma Tech, right? To be able to yeah. make these boxes, to be able to market them. Which I say box, and they say box in the whole movie. It's a blender. It's hardly a box. Yeah, it's not a box. So I I don't know. I wish they would have come up with a different name for it. I'm sure that was just like in the script, just a nondescript like this. It's a box. You right. Know? It's, I don't know. Maybe the whole idea of it originally was going to be more TV like as opposed to. A, a blender. Yeah. It's a blender. Yeah, it's a blender. <laughs> um, but yeah, the demonstration goes really, really well, and uh, it comes down to a flip of a coin, obviously. Uh, and uh, we never actually get to see but what the coin lands at, but presumably it was heads because uh, they go on a crime spree. Yeah. So back at Wayne Manor's laundry room, we get to see some karate clothes washing. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, quite the scene. 
Got me convinced. Got me convinced he can hold his own in a fight. Yeah. Where did he learn this stuff from? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And Alfred looks more annoyed than impressed. Yeah. Like, okay, that was cool, I guess. But he pretends like he's about to mop it up, and then he just winks at Alfred. He's out of there. (laughs) Alfred's like, okay, SOB, I'm going to have to clean that up. (laughs) We quickly then get to see uh, the Two-Face and the Riddler at their casino heist. A um, little comedic relief in this with just everything going crazy and we get to see them robbing everybody. And then, of course, the famous punching scene, right? You just got to reach back and punch him in the face. Yep. And, of course, uh, Jim Carrey, or the Riddler, does not succeed. And Jim Carrey's hilarious, as always. No. Uh, back at Wayne Manor again, news of the crimes are finally coming to Bruce's attention. And a new riddle arrives. Uh, the eight of us go back and go forth, not back, to protect our king from a foe's attack. Uh, and then they, which is a pawn, obviously. Right after that, we see Nigma at his press conference introducing his new box to the public. Um, the 3D box became all the rage. There was riots over them at the stores. Nearly everybody has one. Uh, can everyone else... See the green light leading to Nigma Nigma Tech, the Riddler's hideout. I mean, can everybody else see that? I guess. <laughs> uh, the riddle is the Riddler is absorbing as much of the brain energy as he can, um, and it seems to make him more unstable uh, by the moment. Right? Yeah, definitely. And then we're back at Wayne Manor again, and Dick manages to breach the Bat Cave. Uh, and get the most useless intruder alert security system thing ever. Yeah, who's uh, going to come do anything about it? Right. Uh, so, intruder alert, intruder alert. Let's turn everything on and bring the Batmobile up from its uh, from its garage, you know, yeah. and give yeah. it to you. Here it is. Um, no, Alfred is not very good at Batcave security, right? In the no, first movie, he brought Vicky Vale straight into the Batcave. Yeah, yep, just brings uh, her right in. And it was probably his fault that the Penguin got the schematics for the Batmobile and Batmobile Returns. Probably. Um, We end up with Bruce back with Chase Meridian. Excuse me, Dr. Chase Meridian. Um, (laughs) She gives Bruce the Malaysian Dream Warden at this point that they talked about in their first uh, interaction. And Bruce uh, tells her the story of his parents' death. And Chase should probably know about that. Um, probably if she's done all her research, right. And he's once again, one of the most famous people, the most famous person in Gotham, the richest person in Gotham. Um, they're interrupted, which they're always getting, getting interrupted in this movie. It's constant interruption. They get interrupted by a whistling teapot and, uh, Bruce finds out for sure that she is obsessed with Batman. Yep. With Um, all the pictures and, uh, time magazine and all this mm -hmm. stuff with Batman all over it. Uh, they discuss her obsession with uh, with Batman, uh, and uh, nearly and he at that point nearly tells her that he's Batman. Almost, <laughs> almost. Um, he really likes to do that. He likes to tell everybody that he's Batman. Um, his secret identity probably should hardly be a secret anymore. Yeah. Um, they share uh, their first kiss, only to be interrupted by Alfred because Dick took the Batmobile. Yep. How did he get it? How did he get it? Yeah, how did he get it? He just went and took it. Yeah, like so it the last no problem. the last time we saw 
the Batmobile and Dick Grayson and Alfred was when he broke into the uh, Batcave. Yeah. And now we see him driving it. Why did Alfred let him take it? Did no, he just nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's just so one of those the key just right in there and he just <laughs> takes off. And did you notice that the bat fin on the back was split? In it that was one? split in yeah. that one. I did notice. That. And was he doing like his best low rider impression <sighs> with that yeah, thing? Uh, he's just a pro at driving <laughs> this thing all out of nowhere too. Uh, I don't know. Understand why he thinks he can fool anybody that he's Batman. You know. No, and I like that Alfred tells him. He stole the car. The Jaguar? <laughs> no. The other car. The Bentley? <laughs> the other car. <laughs> Come on, Bruce. The only thing that would have made that better is if Dr. Chase Meridian said something like, how many cars do you have? <laughs> um, so we get to see the Dayglow gang now, which is pretty cool, right? Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, it's very 90s, all that Dayglow oh, stuff. Oh, definitely. Uh, Blacklight Central. They're busy harassing a, a girl that looks very out of place. Yes. Um, so, you know, uh, they think they see Batman pulling up. It's actually Dick Grayson. Uh, they say, it's Batboy. It's Batboy. It ain't the Bat. <laughs> <laughs> Q escaping damsel in distress. And Dick Grayson goes to save her. What a nice guy. What a nice guy. Uh, We end up seeing a pretty cool uh, fight scene. Uh, Dick says, I'm Batman. He says, I'm Batman. Sorry, I forgot my suit, (laughs) but I'm about to whoop all your asses anyway. And Chris O'Donnell's stunt double does a great job in these fighting scenes. Oh, yeah, seriously. It was not him. Definitely not not him. Very dark face. Like, everything was very dark about Dick Grayson in his fight scenes. Like, he just was not, you couldn't tell who it was whatsoever. And you're left wondering how he is so good at fighting people yeah it's i mean i guess he's scrappy Lots he got of... raised in the back alleys of circus shows, circus shows yeah. i don't know he learned from the strongest man at the freak show right there we go oh, now okay. we're on to something okay uh and then the scene ends in a very comic book uh comic book way doesn't batman ever kiss the girl yep he gives uh, her a big old smooch and i don't know if it was the big old smooch or the fact that he had a lot of fun fighting all those dudes uh, but it pretty much convinces him that he wants to be a superhero at that point. Oh, yeah. And then enter Batman to save the day and to be a father figure. Wow. What a guy. <laughs> so back at the Batcave, uh, they're in the Batcave a lot in this movie. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this Batcave? It was a lot different. It was. Still a cave. It's still a cave, but definitely different than mm-hmm. the Burton. I preferred Burton's. It was way more stylized. Yeah. Way less functional, but way more stylized. Yeah. Uh, Dick, so we're at the we're back at the uh, at the Batcave. Dick is telling Bruce that he wants uh, his help, wants Batman's help to kill Two Face. Batman, he knows all about revenge. He tells Dick that they are the same because of the parents dying, and uh, Dick wants to be trained, uh, but Batman refuses. Yeah, he's not in for it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Sorry, man, I'm Sorry, a solo man. show. Solo show. Then we get to see Nigma's unveiling party and his new and improved box. Uh, Nigma is obviously the new hotness. Everybody loves the box. Yep. Um, but Bruce enters, and guess what? Bruce is still top dog. Yep. Uh, did you you noticed right? Because they joked about it that they're dressed exactly the same. He's yeah. got the mole and everything. Yeah. And, you know they the, even how's my mole? Yeah. <laughs> it's and a, I, the second time I watched it, I paid attention. Does he have this mole? But he obviously didn't have the mole. No. So that was for that. Yes. Very funny. And, they, and then he says, "Nice Bruce Wayne says, yes. nice suit." Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. I really like that. The fact that they comp. So at least this movie is a bit self-aware with its cheesiness. Yeah. I appreciate that. 
Um, Nigma, Nigma unveils the new box. The future, the new and improved box, offers fully interactive holographic fantasies. He demonstrates uh, with one of the party goers that happens to have the weirdest haircut I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Just the absolute weirdest haircut I've ever seen in a movie. Yep. Um, Bruce is obviously very skeptical and basically calls Nigma out on his plot to steal people's information. And he just pushes past it, changes the subject. <laughs> oh, are you too afraid to use it or give it a try? So. Yep. So then, I don't know if it was part of Nigma's plan or if he's just trying to uh, one-up Bruce, but he asks Chase to dance, excuse me, Dr. Chase Meridian, <laughs> to dance, and that's Bruce's cue to go check out that box. Yep, check it um, out. Only to be fooled by sugar after Bruce thinks he's rendered it uh, un- non-operational. Yep. Is it non-operational, inoperational, unoperational? Non-operational. Non-operational. Uh, we get to see Bruce in the box right after that. Yep. Um, he fell into Nigma's trap because it was all a ploy. We see that it was all a ploy from the beginning. Yeah. Um, we see that a file is being created. We don't get to see quite what the content is of that file. We do see a little bit later. Um, but then Two-Face busts up the party. Uh, Nigma is pretty upset that Two-Face is there, especially that he blew up the larger version of the box, which must be like the power source, the main computer yeah. supply, whatever it is. I guess Two-Face couldn't miss an opportunity to rob a bunch of rich people. I guess. I mean, is that why he's there banging, banging everything up? Yeah. Uh, plus, does it give Nigma plausible deniability that he's actually the Riddler? Like, he's getting held up. But then right. he's openly talking to him in front of everybody later about their plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Bruce then, he escapes out the back of the the, the new box, the new and improved box, um, and to don the bat suit, obviously, right? Right. We then see Batman falling from the ceiling, ceiling once again, raining glass down on everyone. And then the dude from the opening, we talked about this a little bit earlier yeah. today. Hey, Batman. Batman. <laughs> At least I'm assuming it's the dude he did. It, it looks like him. He didn't have his glasses, but they True. were burnt up in acid. So Yeah. Uh, I'm, if it wasn't supposed to be the same character, it was the same actor. Yeah, definitely. Um, Dick goes to get his suit on, too. Um, he uses the same line that Batman uh, uses with Alfred, uh, that it's an emergency, Alfred. Uh, and once again, Alfred is not amused with Master Dick. Um, <laughs> we then get to see our obligatory Indiana Jones moment. Yes. Which I'm so happy that there was one in this movie. It's kind uh, of the second one, but... What was the first one? So the first one, the very first scene, the guy does a little... With mm, the knife, mm. and he just gives him the... He, Let's him run right past him at the mm-hmm, elevator, mm-hmm. and that's the guy who he throws onto the already electrocuted mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. But you yes, are right. But this one you're about to talk about is much more interesting. So the goon gives the henchman gives Batman a whole bunch of flashy hand movements. Did you happen to pay attention close to his hands? Uh uh-uh. uh He is holding no knives, no swords, no nothing. It's just his hands. Just but it's his hands. Ching 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 ching. <laughs> it's just his hands. Um, and then he just boots him yeah, in the face. Either way you look at it, ends up with a bat boot in your face. Yeah, that was great. Um, Batman then goes over to save Dr. Chase Meridian from a goon. They share a kiss. She says, meet me at midnight. (laughs) No sexual (laughs) undertone at all in that. No. And then it's into the sewers for Two-Face. He escapes with Batman, you know, hot on his heels. They end up street level, climb up this thing, and then they end up into the sewers. And, you know, Batman witnesses all of this from like a hundred stories up, right? Yeah. He witnesses it all. And then he's like, I'm jumping in, man. <laughs> uh, it's very, 
So they kind of make it look like maybe his cape slows him down. He does like some sort of maneuver in the air. But it's just very odd the heights that Batman is jumping from in yeah, this movie. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any when sense. When he comes to be the father figure earlier and save him, he jumps down seemingly with no grappling hook or anything, but the cape is somewhat slowing him. Right. It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make much sense. Especially from this site. Yes, especially one. from this site, and it's another... Uh, uh, another instance of terrible CG. Yep. Um, it turns out it was a plan by Two Face. Yeah, and that's some that's some foresight right there. Yeah, <laughs> it was planned by Two Two Face to capture Batman in this giant tube, um, and then Two Face creates a gas explosion. Yeah. Um, I remember this scene. This scene was in promotional material. It was in the the trailer. It was on TV where he pushes the button, and you know, uh, yeah. the the cape saves his life. Um, n- another instance where the, c- the the CG holds up. Yeah. It was very convincing looking. Um, Two-Face thinks he's dead. Obviously he's not. He Obviously. emerges from the flames. Why can't you die? Yeah. That's a pretty badass when he emerges from the flames. It is. There. It That's is. pretty cool. Yes, it is. Uh, instead, Two-Face creates a gigantic cave-in and buries Bruce under... Meters and meters, yards and yards of yeah. material. Uh, but thank goodness for Dick. Thank you, Dick. Uh, he's there to save him with his amazing trapeze grip. <laughs> and then two so, fa- at least this makes sense. It does. He would have an amazing grip. And, you know, all jokes aside, it was a powerful scene. It like, was. The, yeah. the music was a really awesome crescent- yep. crescendo. Kind of proof. You know what? You Maybe you do need a partner. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I like the scene. I mean, yeah. it was still a really good scene. And then Two-Face escapes, which is something that he likes to do. Yep. And then guess what? Back to the Batcave. Back to the Batcave. Um, Bruce isn't happy with Dick, but Dick is super persistent and going as far as having Alfred hang his costume up next to the Batsuit. That's where it belongs. That's where says. it you know? uh, Bruce, like I said, he is not happy with Alfred either. He tells him that he's encouraging Dick's behavior. Yep. Uh, but Alfred tells B- Bruce that he needs guidance, right? Yeah. He needs guidance and that Bruce should understand that. And he, he should, right? He really should at this point. Uh, Bruce definitely seems way more accepting after that. Like he actually, he, it's right. obvious that he views Alfred as like his main grounding factor. For sure. Um, Way more accepting about it. He's viewing uh, dotingly on a video of Chase, excuse me, Dr. Chase Meridian. <laughs> uh, uh, while he's, well, Alfred is convincing Bruce Wayne, not Batman, Bruce Wayne, to settle down and have a family. Again, in this one, right? Yeah. Bruce just wants, or uh, Alfred just wants Bruce to have a, a normal happy life. Yeah. How many blondes are I going to throw at you? Come on. Pick <laughs> one already. At this point, what time is it? It's midnight. Midnight. At least it's like 11.50 or something like that. Time to get going. Um, We end up over at Chase's apartment. Uh, She sleeps in the nude. Batman is a peeping Tom. Uh, Yikes. (laughs) Ultimately, uh, in this scene, she tells Batman that she is more into Bruce uh, than Batman now. So she's pulling the old switcheroo. Yeah, I hope that's okay. I hope you can handle that. (laughs) He's like... Yeah, I can handle that. Uh, 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 I've been through this once before. We'll do it again. <laughs> Batman smiles and he's headed off into the night, which his smile is its goofy. I don't know why he doesn't give a full teethy smile. It's just kind of a goofy it smile. It is goofy. I'm pretty sure I've seen that in memes now that I've seen oh, that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Now that you say that, I'm like, oh, yes. I'm like, yep, that's the one I've seen in the memes. 
Yes. Um, right after that, we end up at uh, Nigma Tech slash The Riddler's Lair, which if you didn't put that together, it's the same place. Yeah. 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 Uh, Two-Face gets news that Batman is still alive via a newspaper. You don't see that convention in films very much anymore. <laughs> nope. Once I saw that, I'm like, you know what? They used to be in tons of movies where a scene would open up with a shot of a newspaper yep. explaining what happened. Exactly. That yeah. does not. That is not in movies. Yeah. Um, I also thought, I hope that Paperboy gets a big Christmas tip every year because, man, delivering a newspaper every day to a couple of supervillains out in an island, that yeah. stinks, man. No thanks. Where's my two bucks? <laughs> um and then we get to see uh, the Riddler explaining to uh, Two-Face kind of what's going on. That liquid storage, that's a really, it's a cool idea. I don't understand really how it would work, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, he shows, uh, two, Rid- the Riddler shows Two-Face that he got a bunch of information from Batman, um, and they surmise that Bruce, well, they got a bunch of information from Bruce, and they surmise that Bruce is Batman, right? Who else would have visions of a giant bat? Yeah, who's got bat on the brain? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Bruce and Dick back in the bat cave. Um, Bruce says he's hanging it up. So I guess Alfred convinced him to settle down. Yep. Right? Um, Dick tries to convince him otherwise, but Bruce is pretty dead set on coming clean to chase just like he does with everyone else. Uh, Dr. Chase Meridian arrives for dinner. We see that it's Halloween. You know, it's a nice, happy Halloween greeting from Alfred. She says the same thing to him. Yep. Um, we see that, uh, Dick Grayson is gathering his things cause he doesn't feel like he's got a future here anymore. He wants to be a superhero. Yep. Um, he w- is walking his, uh, motorcycle off the property to not alert anybody. Um, we get a couple of trick or treaters at the f- front door. Um, while Bruce and Chase, Dr. Chase Meridian are confessing stuff to each other. Um, so this is another point in this movie where I'm like, this is a scene directly lifted from Batman Returns, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just it's hitting a lot of the same beats and same mm-hmm. character development. Which the movies are th- three years apart, so it'd be much less apparent if you hadn't watched them a couple of weeks apart. Yeah. Um, like I said, we got the trick or treaters; they're confessing stuff to each other, and then we see that the Riddler and Two Face have arrived, and they sneak in right behind those trick or treaters, and presumably sh- steal their masks, also, right? Yeah, they must. Um, when the Riddler and Two-Face do arrive, Chase and Bruce, Dr. Chase Meridian, are going through Batman's origin story for the audience. So conveniently, here it is completely laid out for you. He runs from a wake. He falls into a cave. He gets scared by a bat. You have Batman. There you go. (laughs) Um, so now Batman, after uh, telling this story to Dr. Chase Meridian, uh, he's super vulnerable. She's super into him. Oh, yeah. She cannot help herself and goes right for him. But lucky her, the feeling is mutual. Yeah. <laughs> Next scene we see, Alfred's getting clubbed in the head by Two-Face and <laughs> the Riddler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they proceed to completely sack the, uh, the Wayne Manor and the Batcave. And again, worst security system ever. Yep. Like your main villain is down in your Batcave and... Everything turns on, and the Batmobile's right there, ripe for the picking. So we get to see a whole month, whole bunch more of Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey and blowing up the Batcave. Yeah, um, it and was I, cool and fun. I like when they walk in. He reminds them that the plan is to capture everybody and not kill anybody. So Two Face says no killing to his henchmen, and then Riddler looks at him and says, "That goes double for you." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I do like that. Also, that's pretty funny. Um, all this time, Bruce is fighting Two-Face's goons, 
and Two-Face is sitting off the side, flipping his coin over and over and over. So what's the point of holding to the outcome of flipping a coin if you're going to just flip it until you get the result that you want? Right. That just proves how crazy he is. Yeah, I guess, right? That that works. Um, Finally, he gets the result that he wants, and he shoots at Bruce Wayne, which... I guess he was just within shooting distance, which is, I guess, far, but it was just, he just like, bang, right there, yeah, shoot him. bang. Chips uh, him in the forehead? I yeah, it just grazes him, which yep. I guess he's a really good shot if he wasn't trying to kill Bruce Wayne at yeah. that point. Um, with him, with, now Chase gets, Dr. Chase Meridian is being abducted. Uh, Bruce Wayne is falling down the stairs, and uh, Two-Face is moving in for the kill. Uh, but the Riddler saves him, saves Bruce Wayne, and says, if you kill him, he won't learn nothing. He won't learn nothing. Um, and that's when the Riddler drops off the, the next riddle, the third riddle. Um, they abduct Chase. Uh, the next morning, uh, Alfred gives Bruce the skinny. I'm afraid they've taken Dr. Meridian. Master Dick has run away. The cave has been destroyed, and there is another riddle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, that's some crappy news there, Alfred. Thanks. <laughs> Despite his splitting headache from his massive concussion, most likely. Yeah. Um, now we're really moving into like the final push of the movie. This yep. is like everything is coming to a head now. Um, we see the Riddler's layer really quick, and Chase is obviously being used as uh, bait. Uh, what did you think of the the laser question mark on the bat signal? I kind of like that. I, I thought it was cool. Too. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, we get the, a quick flash to Bruce and Alfred solving the riddles. Uh, there were five of them. Uh, oh, there were five. So the last riddle, the, I didn't read the, the last riddle. riddle. Uh, we're five little items of an everyday sort. You'll find us all in a tennis court. And it's vowels, which this is like the only riddle that I didn't figure out immediately. Yeah. You know, it took the movie to explain it to me. I mean, you don't get very much time with it to digest it, though, either. Right. But Alfred and Bruce are geniuses because they immediately yeah. put it together yep. with the numbers and alphanumeric stuff. And so their their progress, their logic progress was Mr. E, mystery, like enigma. Mr. Enigma. Edward Enigma. Yeah. <laughs> just bam, 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 bam. It was just, it was literally like, I read, I mean, you know, you watched the movie. It was literally like that. Um, why would the solution be his own name? I don't know. It, it, what does it really reveal? It doesn't really reveal, I guess it reveals who the Riddler is, but. Yeah. Why would you go through, all, I'm, I, they ran out of time. They couldn't put any more riddles, so they yeah. just had to wrap it up. Yep, wrap it up. Uh, so at, now it's time to strap up that prototype bat suit, uh, which is a very cool bat suit, right? Another very cool one. I like the mask in this one. Yes, a lot. and the the actual ear holes, right? Yep, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so we can actually hear stuff. Right. Uh, another big plus of this scene is we get to see Val Kilmer's butt. We do. And <laughs> what's funny is I somehow didn't notice that till the third time I watched it, and now it's etched in my memory forever. Yeah, I wonder I was, if... What? How did I miss this? <laughs> and why am I watching this? So. <laughs> <laughs> and now that Batman's all suited up, he asked Alfred, it's uh, now we have to decide by sea or by air. Why not both? Thanks, Dick. Thank you, um, Dick. <laughs> hey, who's your tailor? 
because now he's got a cool suit, right? And yeah. Alfred had some time to secretly put together a, a Robin suit for Dick Grayson. And one kind of cool thing that we do get to see in here is we mentioned the other ones. Where was he keeping the Batwing and where was he keeping the water? Okay, now we get to see exactly. it. Exactly. kind of cool. Now Robin's officially on the scene. They shake hands and say, partners. Yep. Uh, and you beat me to the punch. Uh, I got my wish. I got to see yep. where they keep the Batwing, where he keeps the Batboat. Batboat? I, I, I couldn't think of a cool thing to call that. Really. I'm going to call it from Bat-boat. now on. Batboat. Um, we did see slightly before this that the Bat signal is up. And uh, Commissioner Gordon, he has almost lost faith that Batman's going to show up. But then Batman comes flying in, gives him a giant thumbs up that I'm sure they could see. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, we get to see our attack, their attack on Nigma Tech, uh, the battleship defense, classic battleship defense. Um, it's very comic booky, you know, yeah. with them B12. That's my favorite vitamin. Yeah. Um, they get the bat boat, and they get the bat wing. Um, but we get a surprise. The bat sub. The bat sub. <laughs> Which is cool. You know, it's a two for one special with the bat wing and the bat sub. Yep. Um, and it becomes that submarine just in time for Batman to save Robin from some villainous scuba divers who most likely died after Batman trapped them in a net in a net yes. underwater. <laughs> 99% chance. That's what I thought. I'm like, oh. All right, he's killing some more people. That literally gave me anxiety to see them oh, in a net underwater. 100%. I was like, oh. I, that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> Being in that big of open water and then the net. Ugh, like yeah. it, I was like, close my eyes, close my eyes. All right, when's it over? Um, now that the uh, Robin and Batman have landed on Nigma Tech, on they're on the hideout. Uh, we get to hear the cheesiest line in the movie and. The nod to the 60s Batman. Holy rusted metal, Batman. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? Oh, the ground. It's metal and there's holes. Rusty holes. Oh, okay. Yeah, Batman literally goes, oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> and we're getting this final setup here to the big climax now starts because the 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 island splits and the one the one part starts going higher and mm-hmm. uh, Robin is trapped on that part. Batam, Batman is on the bottom part and it's forcing Batman to climb up this giant tube. All the while, a uh, spike layer, a spike cage is descending down upon yeah. him. But so obviously. Uh, the Riddler and Two Face didn't know um, the tricks and tricks of the trade with the uh, the prototype bat suit because Batman's got rocket boots. Yes, <laughs> rocket boots. So he manages to flip this thing over, but flip this giant thing coming down on him before uh, he gets crushed uh, and heads on up to the top. And this is the second point where my DVD skipped for thirty seconds. Sure, um, but during this time we do see. Uh, Two-Face and Robin on the upper level fighting each other. Robin kicks his butt and ends up saving Two-Face, you know? Yeah, what are you thinking? Uh, It makes for a good movie and shows that he has honor and, you know, is a good dude. But, man, he's the dude that killed your parents. Yeah, come on, man. (laughs) I thought you wanted to kill him. I thought that was your main objective. That's all you can think about. So his reward for saving Two-Face is he gets, gets to be put in a matching cage with Dr. Chase Meridian. Um, now we have Batman's final dilemma. Excuse me, Batman's final dilemma. Um, we see Batman talking to the Riddler and 
the Riddler thinks he's God, and he really... I, that's a pretty scary sound effect they put on his voice. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh that he's gonna he he expects to control the world with his box basically. Mm-hmm. Um, who will Batman save? Well, I think he's gonna try to go for both. Of course, the answer is both. Um, and ironically, ironically, I'm pretty sure it's ironically, Batman defeats the Riddler and Two Face with a riddle about a bat. Yes, he does. <laughs> but I mean, he didn't even need the need the bat the riddle. He should have just thrown his uh, explosive yeah. batarang at the the giant resistor transistor whatever the yeah. thing is storing all the energy all the brain en- energy but i i did like that he brought up the riddle because of how interested the riddler was it just proved how easy he could manipulate him mm-hmm. even though the riddler's been pretty smart to this point like oh i'll just bring up a riddle and boom he's so interested he sits down let's hear it mm-hmm. no that's it was it does point a lot to the character of the riddler and mm-hmm. you make a great point uh it, it does it it really points to the character of the Riddler and how crazy he is and how he's just obsessed with who he knows now is Bruce Wayne. Right. Um, of course, after this thing explodes, uh, the Riddler ends absorbing absorbing a lot more uh, brain waves, brain energy than is probably healthy. Oh yeah, <laughs> way more than is healthy. Batman dives down into the the chasm and saves Chase. Excuse me. Dr. Chase Meridian, and Robin in the most dramatic way possible. Yep. Make sure she's safe first. Yeah. And then go for Robin. Yeah. And very trapeze-esque saving again. Again. So luckily he was a trapeze artist. Otherwise he would be dead. Yep. Um, they're only to be conv- confronted down there by Two-Face, which Batman defeats by throwing change at him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, did, he did do that. <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> again proving how crazy he is yeah it's that simple i mean she referenced it right away she told him he's obsessed with this coin that is his weakness and then all right well when i'm ready to get rid of him i guess i'll just bring a pocket full of coins and we'll get them yeah it, it worked perfectly it worked perfect uh, they end up back up at the top and they we see the riddler all dejected and beat down and he says to uh batman why can't i kill you yeah and so Two-Face does obviously die, right? He dies in yeah. that scene. I mean, the coin falling in his hand throws me off a little bit. Yeah. He's dead. Which, yeah, I, I, I think he's dead. Okay. I mean, like any comic book character, he might not be dead, but he should probably be dead. Uh, he did a, he did a Terminator in that one, right? <laughs> yep, yep. But it wasn't, you know, I, I think he's dead. I okay. assumed he was dead. Um, And so at this point, I read on the internet in one of my articles that we find out in this next line why the movie's called Batman Forever. Um, after the Riddler asks, why can't I kill you? Uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman, says, I had to save them both. I'm both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Not because I have to be, but because I choose to be. So I guess, you know, that means he's Batman Forever. forever. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, unless you read that in an article, I would never have come away with that from no, watching the movie. not at all. Um, you know, and that that is basically the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, they shoehorn in a, a scene for closure at Arkham Asylum. I don't know if that was an intent in the movie or not, but it seems very like, like just kind of jammed in there yeah. to give a little bit more closure. Right. Give us a little um, more Jim Carrey. A little more Jim Carrey is always a good thing. And uh, he, in both in Dumb and Dumber and this movie, he does the 
Silence of the Lambs. Like <laughs> he does. And he then does. this scene made me think of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. As she's walking up to the cell, kind of like Clarice mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whatever. And I just thought it was funny that he must have an appreciation for that movie. He must at least uh, an appreciation for Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Um, the Riddler thinks he's Batman, which is a pretty cool way to end the movie because obviously he's he's a crazy man and. Uh, Batman's uh, uh, secret is uh, safe with uh, the Riddler, yep. with Edward Nigma. And I'm not sure what he looks like, but is Dr. Burton, is that Tim Burton at the end of the movie? Oh, man. Been? I don't think so. Okay. She said, or Dr. Burton, so I just, I didn't that, know if that I was him. I did not. That, I completely missed that. And now that you say that, I'm going to have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, but... I'm gonna have to because it even kind of we'll, looked we'll like him. I'm gonna have to go back and update in the next episode. Yeah, update later. Um, and then you know we get to see that it's like the happily ever after ending yeah. with with Bruce and Doctor Chase Meridian. Yeah, seemingly there's nothing stopping them from nope. continuing on. Correct? So. No, not nothing whatsoever. She even says, "Don't work too late." Like, yeah, go right. do your Batman like, thing. Well, yeah, and then I'm ready for you by midnight. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Uh, and then, like I said. The two biggest songs from this movie are not, they're in the movie, but they're not actually in the movie. They're in the credits. So the U2 song and the Seal song are both in the credits, which I don't know how that counts as being in the movie, but I guess it's on the soundtrack. They made the soundtrack. They made the soundtrack. So um, I really like Batman Forever. I can see why it was a big hit. I just enjoyed it all around. It was a really good movie. Yeah. It's campy. It's way more a nod to comic books and to Adam West than... Yeah. uh, than the first two movies were. It's very Hollywood, but it's still a good movie. Mm-hmm. It made a lot of money. Um, America liked it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this four out of five bat nipples. <laughs> I think that's pretty I like good. That one. Right? Four I don't, out of five bat nipples. I think I gave, uh, I think I gave 89, uh, a 4.9 out of five. And I think I give, gave returns a 4.7. 4.7. Yeah. So I think a, a four, a solid four, a solid four. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I really like a it. lot to like about it. Some things not to like about it. I want to know what did you think about Tommy Lee Jones Two Face? Um, so there's an interesting story with that where Schumacher was trying to get Tommy Lee Jones to be Two Face, mm-hmm. but he wasn't really interested. He didn't like know what to do with the role. Yeah, and uh, Schumacher said, "Your MF and Oscar winning Tommy Lee Jones, you can do whatever you want to do with this right. role." And so then he took the role. Um, for me, his performance in the movie is a B plus. It's very up and down. Some yeah. scenes it looks like as a person, as an actor, he like doesn't care about what he's saying, how Definitely. he's giving the lines. His weird laugh that he does a few times seems yeah. really contrived and forced. Right. I mean, I don't have much to compare it to. I think of the Nolan trilogy, mm-hmm. but I in that Harvey Dent, even when he becomes Two Face, still has Harvey Dent in him. It's like he can still think normally but he also has his angry side mm-hmm. but tommy lee jones kind of seems like he's trying to be a version of the joker like i don't he kind of just seems crazy the whole movie there's no like common sense side that talks to his insane side at any point agreed he now that you say that he's 99.9 percent the evil harvey dent right With- which i mean you see the origin story so maybe you know, it wasn't always that way. Right. But at this point, that's kind of what it is. No, I completely so I, agree I didn't with you. love him because I think of him as a good guy in most of the movies that I yeah. think of. And then 
it wasn't necessarily his fault in the performance, but just the way they kind of had him be more like a Joker character. Yeah, and I guess if you're trying to recapture some of the money and the feel of the first Batman, which mm-hmm. was very successful, I guess maybe that's what you do with that character. Yeah. Like some more duality besides just like the physical stuff of like different cigarettes and different right. drinks and different yeah. food. Some more like actual mental duality, right. physical, I don't know, personality duality. Um, so should we move on to our homework assignment? Let's do it. Um, what's it going to be? It is going to be 1997's Batman and Robin. Um, some quickle, quickle facts. I said, I was was going to use it, so I'm going to use it. Yep. Um, the box office for this movie was $238.2 million worldwide. That's four hundred and twenty-one point zero six million today. Don't forget that zero six because that's ten thousand dollars, uh, <laughs> which is not impressive on a worldwide. Right. It's not impressive. And then if you compare them to the other movies and their adjust, so that was the adjusted the two hundred or four hundred twenty-one point zero six million today for this movie. Nineteen eighty-nines made nine hundred and thirty-one million dollars worldwide. Right in nineteen eighty-nine. Right. And then Returns made $539 million worldwide. And then Forever made $625 million worldwide. So $420 million, that's a real outlier. Definitely. It's a real outlier. And I saw that it cost them $160 million to make this. So this was by far the most expensive yeah. Batman to make. Yeah. So. Yes, definitely was. Um, so for director-producer cast, Schumacher is back, so love it or hate it, he's back. Um, 0% involvement from Tim Burton. N- no involvement from Tim Burton in this movie whatsoever. No, no producing. His, no, his hands no Dr. Are, Burton. No Dr. Burton. Completely washed this movie. Um, the movie is produced instead by Peter McGregor Scott, which he also produced, helped, uh, co-produced uh, Batman Forever. Oh, okay. um, but he's most famous for his solo production of uh, Batman and Robin. Um, he also produced Cheech and Chong's The Corsica Brothers, still smoking and born in East L.A. Nice. <laughs> Have you seen any of those movies? I've seen Still Smoking. Man, they they are bad movies. Yeah, they're not funny. Yeah, no. they're not funny. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Man, comedy stunk in the seventies. It really did. Yeah. <laughs> um, the re- returning cast, you guessed it, Michael Gaff and Pat Hingle. They're back. Woo-hoo. Yeah, which I was saying, go or gah or whatever. It's Gaff. Alfred's Gaff. Left. It's Gaff. Michael Gaff. And Pat Hingle. And plus Chris O'Donnell's back, obviously. Yeah. Um, the new cast, we got Clooney as Batman. Clooney McClooney. Um, Schwarzenegger as Victor Freeze, Mr. Fre- slash Mr. Freeze. Uma Thurman as Dr. Pamela Isley uh, slash Poison Ivy. And Alicia Silverstone as Barbara Wilson slash Batgirl. Um, she was, this was like her, I think her, first big role post uh, Aerosmith music videos. Like she was in those two Aerosmith music videos. And then I think she was like in this movie. I don't think she was in a whole lot besides yeah. that before this. They really bring out the heavy hitters with actors and actresses. In yeah, these movies. they really do. Um, I'm going to do my uh, best Jerry Seinfeld right now. How bad is this movie? How bad was that impression? Uh, <laughs> George Clooney won't let his wife see this movie. He still wants her to have respect for him. Oh my gosh. Um, and she she has admitted she hasn't seen she's it. She's admitted she has not seen oh it. Oh my. Uh, there are more ice slash cold slash cold slash freeze puns than you can shake a stick at in this movie. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and it's basically a beat for beat remake of Batman Forever. It's like the same movie. Okay. okay. Uh, and lastly, uh, it caused the fifth movie in the franchise, Batman Unchained, to be completely scrapped. Yep. So, I mean, hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I expected to be let down with this one, so I guess I'm I have higher hopes than I should for this one. But I mean, I've been told you can skip them for these next couple. But I liked this one, so well, we're I, gonna have high hopes that Clooney doesn't care if I see this movie. <laughs> At this point, we are far too deep into this Batman uh, Batman rabbit hole to quit now. So. Oh yeah. Um, I guess that's all I have for the homework assignment. It's going to be 1997's Batman and Robin. Say that again. Um, what you got for me, Trav? I think it's time to get into some emails. I like it. Here. Let's let's hear them. So this first email says, Longtime listener, first time writer. Good job. Really enjoying the podcast. Sometimes the both of you make me think it's time for Carousel. Question, what is your favorite 80s, 90s rom-com? The Phantom. <laughs> Should we explain Carousel or let people just look it up? What do you think? I can give like a 10 second rundown on it. Do it. Okay. Because it's, it threw both of us for a loop. So we had to figure out what the heck this meant. So there was a mid 70s movie called Logan's Run, where after you reached the age 30, you were killed in the population. And that was called Carousel when all like the 30 year olds would come up to be killed. And that, that's what it is. So, so basically, we remind him that we are children <laughs> compared to him. And yes, that is what happened. Uh, quick side note, it's called Logan's Run because he runs away. Hey. It's a pretty good movie. I recommend it. And Friends, it's reference as the sexiest movie ever. I did not know that. Why is Logan's <laughs> Run the sexiest movie I ever? I honestly have no idea. He said something about the main actress in the movie when I asked him about that. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, Ross... In an episode, his cousin, who is Denise Richards, mm. is at his place, and he misreads the zero <laughs> signals and goes in for a kiss after saying in his head, she's the one who suggested Logan's Run, oh, the sexiest God. movie ever. Uh. So, yeah, that's where that comes from. But anyway, let's get to the actual question there. Uh, what is your favorite 80s, 90s rom-com, Drew? Uh, I, I was privy to this question because I also have access to the email um, before you read it to us today. And I had to Google, like, what do you consider a rom-com, you know? Because I was kind of like... There's so many more than what I would have expected. Right. Like, they considered The Breakfast Club to be a rom-com. A rom-com. Which... I wrote that down. I would never think no. that. I mean, they end up together in the end. Yes. So it's kind of romantic. Kind of. Um, but if I was going to pick one from the 80s, 90s era, I'm just going to pick one because rom-coms weren't really my thing. But I did watch Pretty Woman fairly often. I really liked that movie. So the first one I thought of, and sure enough, it was on the list, was Big Daddy. Oh. I mean, that one yeah. o- of most of his, that's more rom-com. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Adam Sandler films, it's a rom-com. Rom- I mean... I guess you could cons- uh, consider Happy Gilmore a rom-com then. Yeah, Wedding Singer was on the list, yeah. and there's plenty of yeah. you know, Adam Sandler material. Mm-hmm. And the next one comes from That's My Cadillac Wants to Know. Have you ever went to a drive-in theater, and what did you see? Sure. Uh, there used to be one locally here, um, actually out by where we work, which is kind of interesting. Oh, that's cool. Um, and it was pretty much on its way out when I was younger, but I remember seeing a double feature there. 
Um, we were sitting in the back of my dad's Chevette with the hatchback opened up, and he had like this, like, uh, I don't know, it was like a bearskin lining inside the back of his. It was like really plush. So yeah. I just remember it being really plush. Uh, the double feature was Crocodile Dundee and Short Circuit. Wow. Yeah, wow. that's what we saw. I don't think I made it through both films because, I mean, I was a child. So. Yeah. So double features must have been a thing because the only time I went to one, I saw the first Spider-Man 2002 and cool. the new guy. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty fun. Uh, next question here is from Ouch My Teeth wants to know, did you have a favorite ice cream treat growing up, whether it is store-bought or Dairy Queen? If you go Dairy Queen, I'm going to say Dilly Bar. That's what was my go-to at Dairy Queen growing Dilly up. Bar. Um, but at home, uh, my parents were big proponents of the gallon of ice cream in the freezer. Oh, nice. Uh, so it was usually homemade sundaes, ice cream and chocolate syrup and stuff like that. For sure. Mm-hmm. Store-bought, I put orange dream bars. Oh, yeah, oh, those are And good. if you put that into a shake, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then for Dairy Queen, I put the Oreo Blizzard. Oh, good my, call, my good go-to. call. Uh, Oogie Boogie wants to know, what was your favorite game to play outdoors as a kid? Favorite game outdoors as a kid. Um, I, I remember in the neighborhood, we would always play Cops and Robbers. That was a, a big one, running around the neighborhood. Um, otherwise it was heading to the local park when I, the house that I grew up in, there was a park a hundred yards away from it. So it was, everybody was at the park playing freeze tag on the jungle gym sure. and stuff like that. That's, that's what I remember most. The one I think of is ghost in the graveyard. Mm. Did you ever hear that? No. Basically just glorified hide and go seek tag. Oh, sure. But yeah, you count at a base, everybody goes and hides mm-hmm. and then they have to make it back to said base. Mm. And if you don't tag someone, you're it again and you <laughs> got to do it over. We'd play with like half a city block. So it would awesome. be pretty fun. Yeah. Next one is, to be a kid again wants to know, was there ever a job you really wanted as a kid that you laughed looking back at? A job? Oh, well, <laughs> I guess a professional hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> what? You didn't want to do that? <laughs> no, I definitely wanted to do that, uh, but looking back on it, that's such a... Uh, I was kind of a lazy kid, so that wasn't happening. Yeah, it was happening in your mind. <laughs> it was happening but... in my mind, but that was about it. Yeah, I put, actually, my whole childhood, I wanted to work at the rental store. I remember asking the employee there all the time, because she was the same from, like, as early as I can remember going there, if I could work there, but I was never old enough, and by the time I was old enough, that store closed down, so I never got to work at there. You know, now that you say that, I had a job at Papa Murphy's when I was in high school, and I wish I would have had any other job besides that, (laughs) honestly, and being... I spent so much time at Hollywood Video. I should have just had a job there. I don't yeah. know what I was thinking. It would have been fun. It definitely would have been. And last question here comes from Dangerously Cheesy. It wants to know, did you ever win a cool prize when you were a kid from like a bottle cap or a bag of chips or some other contest? Uh, besides the 16 ounces that you would win fairly often back in the day, yeah. um, I won a uh, basketball jersey one time from a Mountain Dew bottle. Nice. That's cool. Um, I think that was the biggest thing that I ever won. Um, I'm not a big basketball guy and I got to choose from a, a few different college basketball jerseys. Sure. And I chose a Texas Tech one. And so I had it forever until, Red and black. yeah, I had it forever. And then I finally donated it to, uh, Goodwill, like. A year ago? Yeah. <laughs> and I bet I won that thing in probably like 1997. Yikes. Yeah. I never wore it. I just had it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I wrote down, 
it was some FIFA PC game I won when I was a kid, and it was in a planter's cheese balls, and I actually saw like a little plastic piece out of the bottom of the container, so I knew something was in there, so oh, I cool. kind of cheated. Yeah. I, knew, I knew it was going to have something, but I didn't play it. The only PC games I played was Roller Coaster Tycoon <laughs> and The Sims, yep. so I wasn't really popping in FIFA to play, but no, that's cool, still, though. still cool to win something. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, that wraps up the email. So a reminder, next week's homework is 1997's Batman and Robin. Make sure you are emailing us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. Send us in any questions you want us to answer and also send us in any topic ideas you might have. Check us out on Twitter at Overdue Homework and give us a follow on Instagram at Overdue Homework Podcast. Drew's going to keep some posting, some updates for everybody on there. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Do your homework. And don't forget to tune into the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.